buddies. Ahoy, ahoy, fellow Franco fans. It is I, your host, Captain Jason Rudy of the Desperate Visions Sails. Sailing the Seven Seas aboard the Desperate Visions sailboat. Motorboat, steamboat, cargo vessel. I don't know, some kind of a ship, something big. I don't know, that pirate ship's kind of, you know, cliche, so. But, uh, yeah, this is episode 44, and it's an odd film, a film he did called A 15-Year-Old Captain, um, and uh, it's a very big departure from his previous film, The Demons, so um, this is a interesting choice. Um, so, uh, yeah, let me just go through this and... Uh, record this opening um, and tell you all about it. It's called Un Capitan de Quince Enos, a 15-year-old captain, Spain and France, 1972. Original theatrical title and country of origin, Un Capitan de Quince Enos, a 15-year-old captain, France and Spanish, Un Capitan de Quince Enos. Uh, Let's see, alternative titles. Um... French poster with different spelling, Spanish poster with different spelling, uh, Rome, uh, Rome theatrical, Italian theatrical, pretty much the same. Not much really different here, um, just the different uh, title in different languages, but no uh, alternative titles or anything. Production company on this, uh, Cooperative Phoenix Films out of Madrid, and uh, Cooperative France de France Film Production out of Paris. I'm sorry, it's uh, Cooperative France de Film Production out of Paris. Uh, theatrical distributor, uh, Chamartin Produccionse des Distribuciones out of Madrid in uh, Comptoir Francois de Film Production out of Paris. Shooting date on this is uh, basically he shot this in June of 1972 and uh, played in France in May 24th of 73 and Italy in um, Rosoleno in July 6th of 1974 then Madrid, July 8th of 74, and finally Rome, December 1st of 1974. Theatrical running time is Spain, 94 minutes, France, 93 minutes. Definitely no nudity, uh, anything that would have anything to be cut in this one. It's definitely a family film. Um, cast, Jose Manuel Marcos as young Dick Sands. Edmund Pordon as Admiral Marlowe, Dick's godfather. William Berger as Nicoro. Mark Cassot as Captain Hull. Sergio Mendez, Sergio Mendezable as Professor Benedict. Alberto de Bales as Vargas, a slave trader. Doris Thomas as Clara Marlowe. Fernando Bilboa as Hercules, the shipwreck survivor. He also played um, Frankenstein in the erotic adventures of Frankenstein and many other roles in other Franco films. Howard uh, Vernon here plays Harris, a botanist, in quotes. Uh, Marisol Delgato plays Nan, uh, Clara's maid. Armand Mestral plays Corda, Nicoro's associate. Uh, Gonzalo Canas plays Bat, a goateed shipwreck survivor. Uh, Luis Barbeau, one of my favorites, plays crew member with a red hat. And uh, Fra- F. Texiera, that's all it says, no name on him. Huh, interesting. I guess it's extra. Uh, credits directed by Jess Franco, screenplay by Jess Franco, Jose Antonio Areles, and Gonzalez Casas, based on the novel by Jules Verne. Yes, it's a based on Jules Verne novel. Uh, adaptation, Jess Franco. Dialogue, Elizabeth Lusa de Nessel. 
French Prince, Director of Photography, Paul Sovieste, Editor, um, Roberto Fandoni, Music, Bruno Nicolai, and David Kuhn. Of course, that's Jess Franco. Uh, yeah, Jess Franco has a lot of different names on here. He's Jess Franco. He's uh, David Kuhn, of course. And then on, let's see if we keep, we keep going through, let's see if it catches it. Um, Associate Director, Jose Antonio Avrello. Um, and Howard Vernon uh, as Mario Lippert, as still photographer. Look, uh, special effects, Manuel Baccaro, makeup. Uh, okay. Because on the other one, it says, uh, on the print I watch, it says, um, Jesus Franco Monero. And then it says, Just Franco. And then it says, David Kuhn. So it's like three um, of his. But here, it just doesn't have that on there. All right. So, uh, of course, going off of Murderous Passions, Volume 1, by Mr. Stephen Thrower. Um, been having a hard time finding this on Amazon lately. I don't know if it's out of print or if uh, they're doing another revised edition or what but uh, yeah it seems to be hard to get the last couple weeks so uh, let me have a sip here before we go into the review portion and knock this out three two one one of the more peculiar directorial choices franco made in the early 70s is this children's adventure film based on a lesser known jules verne novel. Rather like the Jack London adaptations made by Italian gore maestro Lucio Fulci around the same time, White Fang and the Challenge of White Fang, it's a straight-up slice of action-adventure from a director one would never associate with children's material. Unlike the Fulci films, however, Un Captain de Quincey Diarios does not chew at the kiddies' matinee level with displays of graphic violence, nor did it prove a profitable sideline for its director. Un Capitan de Quince Anos is a sort of movie whose ideal home would have once been Saturday morning television. Indeed, the film often played this slot on Spanish TV in the 1980s and 90s. Despite a limited budget, it manages to maintain some dignity as a plausible adventure story with attractive location shooting and the use of a beautiful old sailing ship to bolster the period illusion. The boys own fantasy sees plucky dick sands take charge of a ship when its captain is killed the young hero's seafaring abilities means he's better suited to the top job than the land lovers who make up for the rest of the passenger list the film's young star jose manuel marcos son of cooperative phoenix films boss arturo marcos is a vigorous and likable presence perhaps a tad too old for the role but naive and energetic enough to make a go for it it's something of a surprise he never appears to have acted again, although he did apparently have a second film for Franco. Oh, no, I'm sorry, though he did apparently begin a second film for Franco. A reliable Balsett is provided by Howard Vernon as the cheerful but shifty Harris, who claims to be a doctor seeking medicinal plants, while deporting himself like a man who's probably smoked a few. <laughs> Edmund Purdom, on the other hand, is capable but unremarkable in his role and never seems to relish the material. The remainder of the cast likewise maintain a professional level of mediocrity, and to be honest, so does Franco the director. He takes a staunchly conventional approach throughout, proving that he's always capable of helming normal productions, capable, if truth be told, of being ordinary. 
That said, the film has a certain amount of poise within its limited ambitions. Even a storm at sea, rendered on a budget that no doubt barely covered the film stock, just about succeeds thanks to some energetic editing and imaginative choice of camera angles. The meager bucketfuls of seawater splashed over the cast must may prov provoke derision from some viewers, but generally speaking, the fantasy world of Uncapitan de Quincy Anno stays afloat. The only oddity is the way that Franco tinkers with the ending of Verne's original tale to conclude on a surprisingly downbeat note. Consequently, Dick's final speech to his revered godfather is heavy with tragic irony. Young Dick finally gets his wish, but it's not quite what he had in mind. Despite the chuspa Franco dem demonstrates in attempting all of this on a Robert E. Nessel budget, it has to be said that the result is a rather stale adventure yarn that cuts him off from the source of his talent. The result is really a passing interest only. Music. The title theme from Devil's Island Lovers is recycled, and there's another outing for the lush, strident theme from Justine, which Franco had already plundered for Dracula, Prisoner of Frankenstein. Locations. Shot in four weeks on location in Portugal, the island of Madeira, and the Canary Islands, which further, with further material filmed in Alicante and Mar and Mauricia, Spain. Connections. Jules Verne's novel, published in 1878, raised the contentious issue of slavery and the even more contentious issue of Africans' complicity in the financial exploitation of their own people. Franco's adaptation, however, steers clear of such thorny matters. Verne may have based Uncapitan uh, de Quincey Anos on an adventure in his own youth, according to Verne scholars Ariel Perez, um, in and Jean-Michel Macot, it has to be said for a long time now that when he was a boy, Verne bought a place on a three bought a place on the three masked Cornival so he could go to the Indies just to get his cousin Caroline, with whom he was in love, a cordial necklace. Uh, the story was first pro presented by Marguerite Ali de Floy in the biography about the French author recently has been discovered that the story was fake. All the details she gave are impossible besides she described to contradictory versions of the story. There may, however, be some truth in legend, since Valkyrie Dale quotes a source from 1909. Paula Undale, who told that she was age 11, young Julian was she was a small boat, tried to catch up with the Octavia and wrote to the Indies. Franco's adaptation bookends the story with new material relating to Dick's godfather, Admiral Marlowe. In the original story, Dick is a foundling working as a cabin boy, not the ward of a rich naval officer. Edmund Purdom and William Berger went on to appear alongside each other in Franco's La Ocha's Sinestro del Dr. Orloff, Sinister Eyes of Dr. Orloff, 1973. It would be more than a decade before Franco attempted a family-friendly film again. See the very bizarre In Busco del Dragon Dorado, which I have, 1983. Uh, Legend of the Golden Dragon. Um, let's see. Um, other versions. French-language Dutch video release edits out the scene in which Dick stabs Harris to death rendering the encounter totally senseless. Fortunately, the scene is intact in the Spanish DVD release from Sueva Films. Likewise, when Negoro throws the knife that pierces Dick, the actual knife throwing is missing from the Dutch video, but present in the Spanish DVD, perhaps the video version was the made-for-TV edit. Obsession lists the original running time at 105, while the Spanish Ministry of Culture lists the running time as 94 minutes. Allowing for the faster speed of PAL tapes, the Dutch video is taken from the French theatrical print that runs 88.40, so at least six minutes are missing. However, the Suerva film's DVD also runs 88, so it's possible there's a significantly longer cut, which is yet to be seen. Um, he got uh, extraordinary praise from ABC Madrid's reviewer. It says it premieres in 
continuous session rooms and double bills tend not to be brought to these critical pages and that silence could be considered most of the time a negative judgment of value. Naturally, though not always, uh, silences sometimes occur against the will of the critic for reasons of force mature. However, an exception is made, but only this one time in favor of the film that Franco has managed to make on a topic so rich in material and therefore so difficult as the unforgettable novel by Jules Verne, a captain of 15. Verne's novels uh, used to feature extremely heavy passages calling for enormous willpower for the young reader not to skip, but in spite of which were bewitching stimulus for the imagination. The young reader saw in the pages of each story a wonderful exotic world of unusual events and miracles that sprouted from the words to become mental images. Jess Franco has found the equivalent of that game of metaphors. This is what to me is extraordinary in his art as director and what drives me to dedicate the space to his film. Replacing the image with its illusion is difficult and risky in cinema since cinema is essentially image. With admirable ease, Franco narrates scenes in which it is narrated is not there. Franco narrates scenes in which what is narrated is not there, but it is meaningful, alluded to, and asked to be completed imaginatively by the viewer. Yeah, it's cool. That's uh, a lot of that sense with the whaling sequence and uh, with going aboard the ship, the abandoned ship, and a few of those sequences. He definitely does that. Uh, we watched the um, DVD that was taken off of, uh, I believe, a Spanish television print. So it has all the sequences in there. There's the stabbings and, and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, this, like I said, it's a kid's movie, so there's really no blood, no nudity, nothing like that. So it's completely different than a Franco film. And the next film he does, Two Signs of the Tombs, uh, has pretty much the same thing. Uh, like no nudity and all that stuff so it's weird he's kind of going on a different path on these films uh let's see what else um yeah you know over here our mission statement is praise and memory of jess franco bringing the name and films of jess franco to new eyes and ears and uh, i'm doing that with this podcast and with my own filmmaking doing the reimagining of she killed an ecstasy as my film lady hyde uh which was almost a different alternative title for the film that was made back in the day with Soledad. And also, yeah, it's cool too. Um, filming on this very last day of shooting, day 13. We did about six, seven days each film, uh, one six, one seven. And on the last day, I uh, finally got a sailboat shot for about 20 minutes and disappeared. So that was my little gift from Uncle Jess, the first shot of the day. Got my sailboat, and uh, yeah, that was very, very cool. So happy to see that. And uh, I had to mention that because, of course, there's boats in this film, so... It's all about the sailboat. It's all about going out on your own, taking those waters, and going off on your adventure. And that's what this film is, is an adventure. So that's what life is. That's what filmmaking is. That's what everything is, an adventure. And when you're in your adventure, you have to enjoy the adventure as it goes down. Because after you're done, you look back and you savor the adventure. But if you can savor it while you're in it, before, during, and after, it's much more pleasing. So it's a little advice from uh, the captain himself. That, the guiding light and not captain lou but captain jason so all right well i'm gonna ship off and shape ship up and shape out and ship off to sea so ahoy hoy and hold on pass the music and listen to eric and i review the captain of 15 years a 15 year old captain i'm gonna have some 15 year old scotch ahoy hoy
Hey, buddies. Welcome once again to the Frank Observer Podcast. I am your host, Jason Rudy, and I come to you today on the review portion solo as um, something happened that hasn't happened before, and I accidentally permanently deleted a file when I was transferring uh, episodes 42, 43, 44, all the intro, review portions, this and that. Um, I thought I dragged and dropped it and uh, couldn't find the review. Went through, checked all the files and uh, the card and and the uh, uh, backup hard drive. Couldn't find it in there. Looked for different names, all that. And lo and behold, after about an hour of looking, was not there. So I guess it was permanently erased. So um, Eric and I did a review for a 15-year-old captain. Um, not an exceptional, crazy good film. Was an exceptional, crazy good um, review anyway by us. Uh, we were both tired, I think, when we did it. So this is no big loss. So this one I'm going to go ahead and do solo. Knock it out so you have another episode. Uh, one thing about me, I hate doing something twice. You know, uh, I hate doing the work and then having it have to do it all over again but you know the old saying goes show must go on and uh, I'm loyal and dedicated to the Frank Observer podcast um, I never forget that so I'm going to push this through finish it off myself that's going to be the running theme I'm going to start doing some solo episodes some zoom episodes and uh, take the Frank Observer podcast in directions that it was before kind of go back and uh, reborn again so Anyway, um, that was the intro on that. Uh, this is, like I said, film 43, and uh, I'm sorry, film 44, and episode 44. Uh, captain of 15 years, a 15-year-old captain. So, um, soft open guest. My guest was Eric Whitwell, but uh, that got erased, like other things that got erased recently in uh, the passages of time over the last two weeks. Some things have been erased, some things have been changed, some things have been altered, some good, some bad. Some will never be there again. So it's kind of interesting that these files got erased. It's kind of a uh, symbol of a lot of things. So Anyway, I will read the synopsis of this, and I will give you my thoughts and review. And uh, we'll have a little shorter episode on this, but uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about this episode. So let me go ahead and read the synopsis for you, and uh, I'll tell you about the review of the film. Nineteenth-century England. Fifteen-year-old Dick Sands dreams of becoming a great sailor like his godfather, Admiral Marlowe. Marlowe agrees to secure Dick a job as cabin boy on the Pilgrim, a sailing ship commanded by his friend Captain Hull. En route, the ship stops to pick up the Admiral's wife, Clara, and a party of her friends who are traveling to America. Also joining the crew is Professor Benedict, an entomologist, and Nagoro a sailor whom Dick regards with suspicion. A few days into their journey, they see what appears to be an abandoned ship. Climbing aboard, Captain Hull and his men find three sailors, Hercules, Bat, and Tom, in the hold. They are almost dead from lack of water. They are brought back to the Pilgrim and nursed back to health. Not long after, Hull and many of his crew are killed during a whale hunt, leaving young Dick to captain the ship. The shifty Nagoro, a slaver posing as a cook damages the sextant, and during a storm, the ship founders off a lush tropical coast. The survivors are Dick, Clara, Clara's maid, Nagoro, Benedict, Hercules, Bat, and Tom. 
On the beach, they encounter a man called Harris, who claims to be a doctor studying the local flora and says the seafarers have arrived in Brazil. He is, in fact, a slaver like Nagoro, and the true location is West Africa. Nagoro and Harris arrange an ambush of the survivors. Nagoro intends to demand a ransom for the return of Clara, Dick, and Professor Benedict, and Harris is to set and sell the others as slaves. Dick manages to escape with the help of Hercules, but Nogoro still has Clara and the Professor hidden away. The resourceful teenager must try and find out and rescue his friends before they are murdered or sold into slavery. So, Jason, what did you think of this film? Well, um, I liked it. It was different. Um, starts off, of course, with the sailboats, and you see the ocean shots, all that. So, um, you go through the... Uh, Go through the Frank Observer list here. Uh, body of water, yes. Sailboats, yes. Boats, yes. Palm trees, yes. We see those on the island later. Jungle sound effects, yes. Chained up person, um, yeah, they kidnap the people in the end, chain up, sure. Uh, dance scene on stage, stripping, no. Club scenes, dancing, no. Jazz music, not really with this film, number nine. Um, they do like uh, more like adventure music and that, so. Uh, excessive zooms, not necessarily. Out of focus shots, not not too bad on this one. Mirror shots, I did not see a mirror on the boat or uh, on any of the films, so that was kind of interesting. Mind control theme, um, not really. I mean, betrayal on that's not really mind control. Um, magic tongue scenes, no. Red light, no. Sheepskin, rug or mastery with sea item, no. Mad scientist, no. Fish tank shots, no fish tanks, but lots of fish. Uh, no talking parrots or birds or animals. Uh, in credits, yes or no? Yes, there was. In handwritten notes, no. Spiral staircase shot, no. Um, but yeah, um, really good acting on this. Um, it's cool because uh, Jess Franco gets billed here as uh, Jesus Franco Manera and as Jess Franco and as David Kuhn. So he has three billings in this. Um, the young guy, Dick Sands, is, is good in this. Uh, Edmund Purden as Admiral Marlowe. Dick's godfather is good. Uh, William Bur uh, Berger, I'm a fan of. He's good as Nagoro in this. Very shifty in that. Uh, Mark Esad as Captain Hull is really good, actually. I thought he was a really good, strong, uh, good male um, um, archetype for um, for young Dick Sands to study. He was, he was a really cool character. Really cool belt. Uh, a lot of cool location shots. Really, really good locations. Um, and uh, let's see... Bridges Valleys as Vargas the Slave Trader is really short in this. Uh, Doris Thomas is pretty good in this. Um, Fernando Bilbao as Hercules is great. He's really funny in this. He really plays up the Hercules part. He has people climbing on his arm, and he's really super strong. He has great big bushy hairdo in this. Um, and uh, in the end there, he's like firing these arrows with fire on him and trying to do the big escape, trying to free his friends at the end. And does this huge fight and this big explosion, and it's like a big showdown. So, uh... He's actually really, really cool in this film. And he was, of course, uh, Frankenstein in Erotic Rights of Frankenstein. And Howard Vernon as Harris is good in this, a double-crosser, almost like a cameo role. Um, let's see. Luis Barbu as crew member with Red Hat. Yeah, he's awesome in this. Uh, he's, like, stronger than, like, two or three of the other guys on the ship. There's a part where two guys are lifting a boat, and he's on one side by himself lifting it. Like, he's a, like he's as strong as two men, you know? Uh, yeah, very William Smith looking in that. And uh, it's cool to see him... In each Franco film, I'm always looking out for him, and, and there he is. So, yeah, he's definitely cool in this. Um, it's interesting because they, they 
looks like they got a lot of uh, whale hunting footage that was like uh, shot by somebody else, and they edited that into the film and uh, tried to mix and match it. And you could tell it's not from their thing, but they they do a decent job. Um, and uh, you know their death and how they crash and die on a, such a limited budget, he gets away with it. But you know I don't know it's a little, it could be a little tighter, but it, it's it's not bad. Um, but uh, the ship's good, a lot of good uh, sh- filming on on the on on board the on board the boat and uh, all the stuff with the captain's life and, and all aboard the, the ship and all the sailors is that's really good. All the stuff they shot, the island stuff's really good. Um, uh, William Berger's really good in this, of course. And, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good, the dog. And, and there's a cool, uh, the animal character of the dog that doesn't trust him, that goes after him all the time. It's really, really good. And uh, it plays into the whole thing. And, and yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff to it. It was really funny, a lot of good twists and turns. Um, and uh, some good humor to it. Um, Franco's just Franco's not in it, which is kind of sad to see. Um, no nudity, of course, for this type of film, and no nudity in the next film either, from what I've read. So we'll see. Uh, it's interesting two Franco films back to back with no nudity. It's like wow. I guess after the demons, he really had to like decided to like cut back or whatever. I don't know. So it's cool. I guess a little change of pace, you know. But uh, yeah, like I said, it's, it's really well shot. Um, I guess uh, it had played a lot on TV over there, like on uh, Saturday matinees. It's a good adventure, positive children's, you know, afternoon uh, two-hour movie type deal. So, yeah, it's worth it. It's something cool to check out for completists, for Franco fans. Um, it's not something I can really tell people to watch on a wide appeal because they probably won't dig it as much, but uh, it's pretty good. We watched the um, Gray Market DVD taken from the Spanish TV print, I don't know if it will come out on DVD or Blu-ray here in the United States, but you know it could. It, there's nothing. There's a lot. There's a lot worse out there, believe me, on Blu-ray. So I don't know why this wouldn't get at least a passable release. You know, even bare bones, but cool to have. So you know, they could they could sell it. It's got enough selling points to it. So um, let's see. I don't know. It makes this a little shorter part today. So I uh, hope everyone's doing well here. Uh, looks like this will be about released in the uh, early part of July. So. Uh, us here in America, I uh, hope everybody had a wonderful uh, 4th of July and uh, Independence Day. Independence is very important to me, very important to Jess Franco, very important to the Franco Observer podcast, and very important to us independent-minded filmmakers and ind- independent-minded people. Uh, independence is where it's at. Independence is not good, so we always want to be independent. Our mission statement here, of course, is praise in memory of Jess Franco, bringing the name and films of Jess Franco to new eyes and ears. Please download the episode. It increases the numbers in the audience. Please tell your friends about it. Please rate and share. Uh, please subscribe. Please, um, you know, let's get the numbers up. We're at the same, same number. Usually about the same amount of people listen every week. So uh, let's try to add some to it. I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing it every week and doing it relentlessly. So I would lend. I would play it. Ah, excuse me. I'm getting tired here. I'd appreciate a hand if you could lend me a hand. So. It's been a tough, tough, tough haul, but, you know, I'm strong. I'm not complaining, but a uh, little help, a little love is, of course, always appreciated. Um, so, yeah, anyway, uh, closing thoughts on this. Um, yeah, it's all right. It's nothing I would recommend, nothing I would shit on either. So, um, yeah, check it out. Captain of 15 Years, based on Jules Verne novel. Jess Franco, trying to be uh, a good guy here. Very proud of his stuff, wanting to make a good, you know, swashbuckling uh you know ship movie 15 year old boy hitting the seas 
going across the journey, you know, doing his thing. So there's worse things out there. So, all right, well, ahoy, ahoy, aye, mateys. Be seeing you.